You are Locked On Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Huda Nation, and welcome to the Locked On Saints podcast, your daily podcast covering the New Orleans Saints, brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network, where you get to hear the local experts on the biggest stories, your team, every day. Remember, if you get in your car and want to listen to the podcast, just tell your smart speaker, smartphone, smart device, whatever it is that you got, to play podcast Locked On Saints, so you can listen to the newest episodes every day on your way to work or back home through rush hour traffic. I am your host, Ross Jackson, lead analyst over at AllSaintsConsidered.com, and as as always, I like to start every episode off with a big thank you and welcome to our newest listeners, as well as to all of those of you who have been rocking with me since the very beginning. Whether it's your first time or your next time, I always love hearing from everyone that tunes in, reads, and follows. So hit me up on Twitter at Ross Jackson ASC. And of course, that ASC stands for AllSaintsConsidered.com, your source for up to the minute Saints news articles and podcasts for Saints fans. Bye, Saints fans. I got to tell y'all the truth, man. I was going to record this episode last night, but something told me, wait it out. Something's going to go down tomorrow. It's going to be important to Saints fans and probably important to the league. And my God, did we get some news today? We'll get to that later. But first off, we're going to start with our 2018 offensive line review for the New Orleans Saints. How'd they fare? How'd they do individually? And how'd they stack up as a unit across the league? We'll talk about that. Then in our second segment, we'll talk about... Some a little bit of that news that came out today about a free agent that is now off the books was never really on the books but is now definitely out of sight for the Saints and then we'll wrap it up with some of the biggest stories from around the league including all the well not all the information because I ain't got all that information I'm not about that but we're going to talk about Robert Kraft and everything that went down there so we're going to talk about all of that and of course a little bit of land yeah right here on Locked On Saints your team every day y'all gotta excuse me for chuckling man but it's just some of the stuff that's going down right now is just out of it's 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 crazy. But anyway, we'll come back around to it. Uh, let's get started with our 2018 offensive line review. Uh, let's uh, so we're just you know we're sort of going through position group by position group and talking through these. So let's go ahead and look at these individually first. I'll start off with Max Unger, the center Iron Man. Max Unger uh, played all of his 1,012 offensive snaps at center this season. Of course, that's his his primary position. Uh, allowed only 14 pressures. Nine Nine hurries, one hit, four sacks, and earned a pro football focus grade of 73.6 in pass blocking. Andres Pete, left guard, played most of his snaps at left guard, but also played at left tackle and right tackle. He actually hit all three of those positions in one game uh, at one point during the season. He struggled for a good part of the season battling injury and also missed some time with it as well. His struggles are notable, and he's become a bit of a cap casualty candidate. You've heard me talk about him as a trade chip. The Saints would save 9.625 million dollars were he not on the team next season, but his versatility on the line keeps him valuable for the Saints or really any other team that he ends up being traded to or ends up with. Uh, He allowed 19 total pressures, 13 hurries, four hits, and two sacks. He also committed four penalties, including three in one game, most by any of the Saints offensive linemen. Let's hop over to the other guard position here. Over at the right guard position, Larry Warford played all 980 of his snaps at right guard, allowed 19 pressures with 13 hurries, five hits, and only one sack. He was also a huge part of the run game as Ingram and Kamara favored that right side heavily 
throughout the season. We'll talk about that a little bit more in detail in a second. Let's jump over to the tackles here. Teron Armstead, left tackle, one of the league's highest rated tackles by Pro Football Focus with an 87.7 overall grade as well as an 89.3 pass blocking grade. He's easily one of the best tackles in the league when he's healthy. In his 348 pass blocking snaps, he allowed only 11 pressures with 10 hurries, one hit, no sacks allowed on the season. And he was also more than respectable in a run blocking grade that he earned from Pro Football Focus of 78.0. Over at that other right tackle spot, Ryan Ramchek, another outstanding tackle league-wide with an 82.2 overall grade. Ramchuk completes the league's best bookends on the offensive tackle position. He played 550 pass-blocking snaps and allowed 22 pressures, 16 hurries, 2 hits, and 4 sacks. He also contributed to the same successful run game over on the right side that I referenced when we were talking about Larry Warford. Uh, Jermon Bushrod is up next. Swing tackle, 372 snaps, mostly at left tackle when he was playing for the injured Teron Armstead. Otherwise, he played as an additional lineman in jumbo sets. He allowed 11 pressures with 10 hurries and only one hit. Also allowed no sacks from that left tackle position. He valiantly battled through this season through the loss of his daughter and injury as well. Uh, He may be retiring this offseason. We're not entirely sure yet. And there's a couple of other young linemen of interest here that I'm going to mention. I got two more. Uh, Cameron Tom, offensive lineman, played 178 total snaps, 84 at left guard, 38 at center and 52 at right guard, as well as four as an extra offensive lineman. He only allowed four pressures despite playing all four of those different positions. All of them were hurries and only committed one penalty. His pro football focus grades aren't fantastic, but, you know, sometimes those pro football focus grades can't really sort of, uh, how do I say this, quantify what it is that somebody brings to the table. And what Cameron Tom was able to do playing all of those different positions is huge. Tom could be uh, like one of the reasons that the Saints might be comfortable with moving on from Andrus Pete for some draft capital. The Southern Mississippi graduate has shown that he, in, in his small sample size at least, that he can contribute all across the offensive line at multiple positions. And then finally here in terms of individual offensive linemen, we'll talk about Will Clapp. The LSU grad played only 108 snaps on the season. And 97 at left guard and an 11 as a jumbo guy. Uh, in his few snaps, he allowed 11 pressures two of which were sacks. Not a great look for the rookie, but that is exactly what he was, a rookie learning to play the position at the pro level, so I'm looking forward to seeing his progress throughout training camp and next season. The Saints offensive line was one of the best in the league, allowing only 20 sacks on the season, second fewest to the Colts' 18. They also paved the way for a league-leading 26 rushing touchdowns and the NFL's sixth-rated team in yards per game, rushing yards per game, at 126.6. According to Pro Football Focus, they were also ninth in the league in pass blocking efficiency while they allowed the league's second fewest pressures at 124. So let's hop back real quick to what I was talking about with the Saints being successful running over to the right side behind Larry Warford and Ryan Ramchek. Out of Alvin Kamara's 883 rushing yards, 578 of them came right of center. And among Mark Ingram's 645, 405 of those yards came to that same side. So the Saints continued their trend all season dominating the right side of the offensive line in the run game. Good news for the Saints is they'll be retaining the core of this group and have also went ahead and re-signed reserve tackle Michael Ola and Cameron Tom, who we talked about earlier in the process. They'll be looking to add another swing tackle in free agency and possibly someone in the draft. And then, of course, if Pete is moved and they'll need to pursue another starting quality guard unless they've evaluated Cameron Tom as being ready for the job. 
All right, y'all, so that does it for the offensive line review for the 2018 Saints. We'll jump over and we'll start with defense next week. We'll start with the defensive line and then we'll roll through linebackers and then probably secondary as a unit as opposed to cornerbacks and then safeties, but I'll figure it out. We'll see. I like doing this a lot, so I might split them up just so that I get to do it more, so we'll see what happens. But stick around because coming up next right here after the break, we're going to be talking about Gerald McCoy sticking around with the Bucks and what that means for the Saints, so we'll talk about that, and then we'll get to some of the big news from around the league so stick around right here on locked on saints your team every day all right welcome back to that nation remember when you get in your car you can tell your smart device to play podcast locked on saints to catch up with the newest episodes throughout the week you can do that with any of your favorite locked on podcast episodes maybe you've got a trip that you're going on over the weekend and you need to catch up no worries just tell it play podcast Locked On and whatever your favorite Locked On podcast is. All right, so we're going to get started now with uh, talking about this news that dropped this morning. Pro Football Talk put out a report that the Bucks will keep Gerald McCoy for the 2019 season. Now, let's be real. We always knew that this was a possibility. We talked about Gerald McCoy being a great option for the Saints should he become available. And it looks like, at least for this season and at this point in the offseason, he will not be available for the Saints to pursue, which is unfortunate because he would have been an excellent option as the Saints are deep in need uh, at that defensive tackle interior defensive line position but there are still some options out there I put out an article this morning over on allsaintsconsider.com after the news dropped pretty quickly after the news dropped if I do say so myself a little pat on the back did what I could uh, so uh, there were a couple of options that are still out there the first couple that I mentioned are two that were connected to the Saints last offseason as well and Dominican Sue and uh, Muhammad Wilkerson, both of which were, you know, they visited New Orleans and they ended up signing with other teams. And Dominican Sue, of course, signed with the Rams on a one-year $14 million contract and played pretty well over there. 59 tackles, 49 for a, I'm sorry, 49. Good Lord. 59 tackles, four for a loss, and then four and a half sacks. And according to Pro Football Focus, he also added 37 defensive stop plays and an 86.7 run defense grade. So, um, Look, he's somebody that's coming off of a one-year prove-it deal that was already pretty expensive, $14 million, so he could have a pretty steep price, but he is somebody that the Saints could look into. He is somebody that they could bring back and see about, you know, where the interests lie and everything like that. Uh, you know, look, and Dominicansu didn't really turn it on until the end of last season for the Rams, too, so that might keep some teams away from him uh, but we'll see what happens I mean he could be an option for New Orleans they could try to rekindle that relationship and then of course Muhammad Wilkerson ended up going to Green Bay on a one-year five million dollar contract but his season ended much earlier than anyone expected after he suffered suffered an ankle injury in week three that ended his season as he had to undergo surgery uh, he was graded well by pro football focus with a 76.5 overall grade and a 76.4 run defense grade in the small sort of sample size he was able to put up in his one-year prove-it deal. He is somebody that can be very, uh, very sort of cost-effective for the Saints, but it just depends on how that ankle is healing because it wasn't looking great for him at first, and then they sort of got a new diagnosis, and it looked like everything was going to be fine after his surgery. So it all kind of depends on his rehab and just really how well he's able to get back up on the horse and produce at the NFL level. But outside of them, there are a couple of other options that the Saints haven't been previously linked to. Uh, you've heard me talk about former New York Jet Mike Pennell before. He is somebody that I would keep an eye on. He had only one sack in his 69 career games. But beside that, he's run, his run-stopping ability is really what sort of helps sell him. He was recognized highly by Pro Football Focus in that element with an 87.0 grade in run defense. He totaled 20 defensive stops and his 211 run defense 
snaps, which is a 9.3% stop rate, which is a very good rate. I think that put him around somewhere like 16th in the league or something like that. I can't remember uh, in terms of total, you know, at least 200 snaps. So, uh, you know, he's a good option to take a look at coming out of New York, but he was easily one of Todd Bowles' favorite players out there. And of course, Todd Bowles has now moved over to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as their defensive coordinator. So he could be en route to Tampa Bay and to join uh, Gerald McCoy if they have the room for him. And then another person that was has been connected to the Saints in the past, not very recently, but Sheldon Richardson, also from the Jets, also, you know, lots of Jets ties around here. Uh, the Saints are really high on him in 2013 in the draft, but he ended up going two picks before. And thankfully, that worked out for the Saints as they still landed Kenny Vaccaro in that first round. Instead, he signed a one-year prove-it deal with the Vikings last year and did indeed prove it. 49 tackles, five sacks, and 16 quarterback hits. So he is somebody that could be a valuable asset as a pass rusher there trying to fill in for David Onyemata and or uh, Sheldon Rankins, depending on what goes on with Onyemata, and then could join them in the rotation. It could be a lot of fun there as well. You know, it's worth saying that the Saints can also bring back Tyler Davison, who, you know, has has played sort of around the same amount of snaps as Mike Pennell, but has less production in run defense, but has more production in pass rush, having, you know, doubled the sacks that he has in his time and things. So um, Tyler Davison could be brought back. The Saints also still are holding on to defensive tackle Taylor Stallworth, who had an incredible year as an undrafted free agent rookie last year. And then potentially Tyron Walker. We're not really sure what his contract details ended up being when he was signed because he was signed during the playoffs, but he's somebody that could return too. He never should have left New Orleans in the first place. And then of course, there's also Grady Jarrett, who could potentially hit the market from the Atlanta Falcons, but it's very unlikely that he'll do so. One last name that I'd like to throw in there though is Jonathan Hankins. Jonathan Hankins is somebody that a lot of people talked about and mentioned last year because he was available for quite a while last year when the Saints were obviously looking for help at the defensive tackle position they had brought in and Dominican Sue, they had brought in Muhammad Wilkerson for a visit and all that. So like they were obviously looking and the entire time, Jonathan Hankins, formerly of the New York Giants and the Indianapolis Colts, was just kind of sitting there waiting and the Saints never really went after him, which means that they just might not be interested, which is completely, completely possible. But he took a one-year deal last year with the Oakland Raiders, uh, one year, $2 million, so not very... Uh, not a very expensive player at all. Uh, didn't put together any sacks last season. 36 combined tackles with uh, 15 assists. Over at Pro Football Focus, they really sort of give him a nice nod and run defense, 73.1, and credit him with 20 uh, defensive stops as well. So he is also an option that the Saints could look into, and certainly one that I would be interested in alongside Mike Pinnell. And of course, if you have any free agent prospects that you really like at the defensive tackle position that you want to mention, go ahead and hit me up at Ross Jackson ASC on Twitter, or you can call the Locked On Listener, Locked On Saints Listener line, 504-229-4265. Leave a message there, and I'll put it up here on the podcast. Let me know what some of your reactions are, or if there's any players that you're looking out for as well. Of course, the Saints have a plethora of options at the defensive tackle position, and well, interior line altogether, uh, at that position for uh, in the draft because there's a ton of players. You heard me talk about Kalen Saunders, Rennell Ray. You heard me talk about, a, uh, sorry, Rennell Wren. You heard me talk about a few of them yesterday. There's also Ed Oliver, who I think would be super exciting on the Saints team. Nobody knows what to do with him because he's an undersized defensive tackle slash like middle linebacker or whatever. He's kind of, he's strange in terms of where his fit can be. And a lot of people aren't going to know what to do with him, which means that he could fall into striking distance with New Orleans. And if that were the case, Dennis Allen would love a piece like that, like Ed Oliver, who, you know, I mean, he loves to put defense 
defensive lineman back into coverage. He loves to drop him into coverage, which Ed Oliver would be able to do very, very well. So there's a lot of options for the Saints coming up in terms of how to address this position. No reason to hit a panic button because Gerald McCoy did not become available, which again was a little bit of a long shot anyway. So lots of options out there. Let me know any that you like, Ross Jackson ASC on Twitter, and stick around because coming up next, we're going to talk about some of the biggest stories from around the league, including a little bit on Mr. Kraft and all of the stuff going on with him, as well as somebody connected to Gerald McCoy today that Saints fans might be interested in knowing more about as well. So stick around right here on Locked on Saints, your team every day. All right, family, welcome back to Locked on Saints, your team every day. Time now for us to take a look at some of the biggest stories from around the league. And we have one of the biggest, biggest, biggest ones that I have covered uh, on this show before. So Patriots owner Robert Kraft was, let's, I don't want to say arrested because he didn't actually get arrested, but he is being accused of and charged for soliciting sex from sex trafficking trafficking rings now or from a sex trafficking ring now please understand there's a difference there's a big 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 difference between soliciting sex from prostitution and soliciting sex between from sex trafficking rings that is basically sex slavery so this is a very different type this is a much bigger situation than just like picking up somebody off the street or whatever that might be, you know, women of the night kind of a thing. Uh, This is very, very different than that. So basically he was... Charges have been filed, but he has not been arrested, according to Jupiter Police, uh, from a place called Orchids of Asia. It's a day spa in the city of Jupiter, Florida. Uh, And he is being charged because of specifically two different visits, which police and authorities say have been both been caught on video. He was receiving paid acts, quote unquote, uh, and being driven to the spa. There are also 20 other people, more than, more than 20 other people being charged for soliciting at the same place so there was a list that hit twitter not too long ago that had like all of the 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 names and dates of birth and everything so this is something that they've been doing for weeks like like like, uh, stinging you know it was a sting or an operation there that they've been watching over for weeks so what do the charges mean so uh it means that he can carry no more usually than 60 days uh in county jail right so 60 days in jail uh and then he could be also forced because of some provisions in Florida law to complete over a hundred hours of community service as well. And he would intend prostitution and human trafficking awareness courses. Now, again, prostitution is one thing, human trafficking, completely different thing, right? So he could be, he could be subject to sort of attending those awareness courses and stuff like that. Um, uh, so what does it mean from the NFL? So we're thinking like, okay, he's an owner. So we're, we're, we understand the league's like personal conduct policy for players. Does that apply to owners? And the answer is yes. According to the policy, and this is what it says, everyone who is a part of the league must refrain from conduct detrimental to the integrity of the public confidence in the NFL. This includes owners, coaches, players, other team employees, game officials, so on and so forth for anybody that's involved in the league office, NFL films, I'm an NFL network, and the any other NFL business. It also states, according to CNN.com, that owners are actually held to a higher standard. Ownership and club or league management have traditionally been held to a higher standard and will be subject to more significant discipline when violations of the personal conduct policy occur. So 
The league, all that they've said so far is that they are aware of the ongoing, quote unquote, <laughs> law enforcement matter and will continue to monitor developments. That was earlier today. So nothing is expected to sort of, the warrant for his arrest and all this other stuff is expected to come out on Monday and then everything sort of moves forward from there. So I, we don't know necessarily what this means. This is kind of unprecedented. This isn't something that has really happened. I mean, we kind of saw what happened with, I can't remember his name and that's probably fine, but in the NBA, the league owner for, or the, the, the owner for the um Donald Sterling, uh, the uh, the uh, Clippers, Los Angeles Clippers, when he said, you know, all the racist stuff that he said and then what that meant for him. And so there's a lot going on with that. And then we also had the incident not too long ago with the Carolina Panthers owner, and then he ended up losing ownership of his team and sold the team and everything like that. So, I mean, he walked away with a good chunk of change, so I'm not really, like, crying a river for him at all. But, we, you know, it's, it's incredible to understand, like, just the magnitude of what this could potentially mean for the league, because Robert Kraft is probably one of, aside from Jim Jerry Jones, maybe the highest, I mean, he's definitely the highest touted owner in the NFL, and he's definitely one of the most recognized aside from Jerry Jones because of, you know, he led, you know, this franchise to six, you know, to, to six uh, Super Bowl wins. And so the, it, 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 it's kind of crazy, like all of this that's going down right now, uh, but it'll be interesting to keep an eye on. I personally hope that he gets exactly what's coming to him. I think when you participate in things like that and you contribute to the dehumanization of human beings, which is basically what he did. Well, not even basically. It's fundamentally absolutely what he did. I think that in any case, you deserve to be held accountable for that. So I'm interested to see exactly how he, how he is held accountable, considering that, you know, players lose playing time, money, uh, reputation, everything over like marijuana possession, which is a whole other social justice matter that I can get more into later on in the off season, because I don't believe that they should be held to, they should be held accountable as harsh, as harshly as they are for something like marijuana possession in the case of David Onyemata, but we'll come back to that at another time. This is something that is very serious and that is a crime, a hundred percent crime across the entire United States. This is not something that is legal in some places and illegal in other places. So it'll be interesting to see how the league handles this. Certainly we'll be keeping a close eye on this one because Kraft and his camp, of course, are denying that anything ever happened, but then the authorities are saying that there's video evidence. So, you know, we'll see how this goes on. But, you know, we as Saints fans and I was a part of the Houdat Nation have a very sort of complicated relationship. It's not really complicated. It is a not good relationship with Roger Goodell as the commissioner of the NFL. So I cannot wait to put this under a microscope and scrutinize <laughs> everything uh, that happens from it. Because if this is true, right, because they are saying that, you know, Robert Kraft and his camp are saying that it's not true. So if this is true, which it seems likely that it is if there's video evidence, if this is true, this is a crime. Robert Kraft is a criminal. There's no other way to look at it. All right, back to some sort of, uh, you can kind of call it on the field stuff because Twitter and social media now is just as much of the on the field part of the NFL as the actual like on the field play is the way that players interact with one another. It's become a part of recruiting. It's become a part of uh, the way that we, you know, sort of can look. I mean, you could see Michael Thomas going at Marcus Peters, going at uh, Josh Norman on, you know, so there's, there's, there's the competitive part of social media that's there as well. So Tyron Matthew today makes some news again. So remember just a couple of days ago, one of the Saints fan accounts tweeted out, I'm sorry, uh, posted a picture on Instagram about, uh, it was a photo edit of Tyron Matthew in a Saints jersey. And Tyron Matthew commented on it and talked about how he and Mr. Benson, the late Mr. Benson, rest in peace, uh, my owner would never, uh, Tom Benson, uh, went into, you know, they, they grew up in the same place. They both grew up in the seventh ward. So he was saying, you know, long live, long live uh, King Seven. So uh, Tyron Matthew comments today or, or over on Twitter 
quote tweets the Pro Football Talk report about the Bucks keeping Gerald McCoy for the 2019 season with the phrase, this is a win with three estimation points. Now, there's something to be said here because uh, maybe I'm just reading too much into it, but Tyron Matthew has an opportunity in this offseason to reunite with Bruce Arians, the, the, the coach that drafted him, the coach that coached him here in the NFL and that believed in him despite all of the things that were going on at the beginning of his career as he was transitioning from college into uh, the NFL, his injury, uh, his, his legal issues, all of that other stuff that he had going on, his off-the-field stuff, and Bruce Arians never gave up on him. Now, there's an opportunity for him to rejoin Bruce Arians in Tampa Bay as Bruce Arians is now the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are now keeping Gerald McCoy, which has sparked this tweet from Pro Football Focus to which Tyron Matthew replied, this is a win. So, Saints fans, prepare yourself because there is a chance that Tyron Matthew ends up in Tampa Bay and the Saints have to play against him, you know, twice a year, which do I think that that's going to really harm Drew Brees? No, no, not at all. Not at all. But it's going to be painful for Saints fans to watch as, you know, Tyron Matthew is from New Orleans, LSU product, and everybody right now, including myself, like I would love to see him in the black and gold starting next season. So we'll see what goes on. The Saints are obviously in the market for a safety this offseason with the release yesterday's release of Kurt Coleman. I won't start playing the music. I promise I will not start doing it. Uh, so this is definitely something to keep an eye out on as the Saints should be pursuing Tyron Matthew this year as they didn't get the chance to last year when they spent all that money on Kurt Coleman. So keep an eye out on this. I think Tyron Matthews is going to do this for every team in the NFL. He's going he's gonna to spark something somewhere, every team, some way on social media. But it'll be fun to watch. This offseason is going to be a lot of fun. And if you want to keep up with that offseason daily, following your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, make sure you're subscribed here at the Locked on Saints podcast. I'm going to close out today's episode and I will see y'all next week. New episode coming on Monday. Enjoy your weekends. If this is the first episode that you've listened to, make sure that you go back and catch up on the last couple of weeks. I talked free agency reviews for a bunch of different positions, uh, draft picks, uh, draft people to watch at the combine, prospects to watch the combine, senior bowl stuff. So check all of that out. Got Get get all cut, caught up and then come back on Monday and hang out throughout the rest of the offseason with me as I keep you up to date daily on what's going on throughout what is set to be an insane and a lot and very fun uh, offseason. But all I want to say right now is... As always, thank you so much for coming through. Once again, I am Ross Jackson. You can find me on Twitter at Ross Jackson ASC. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mom and them. Tell your friends, family, and fellow Saints fans about the show. And please take some time to rate and review. It helps a ton to find Locked on Saints. Just tell your smartphone, smart speaker, smart device, whatever it is that you got, especially if you're in your car, to play podcast Locked on Saints. Tune into the newest episodes and be sure to subscribe as well so you know when those newest episodes drop every Monday through Friday. Thank you so much for all of your support and help me grow this family. This has been Locked on Saints in Trust. Who that nation? Yeah. I'll holla at you. <laughs>